There it is. All right. Happy Wednesday, everybody. We have returning guests. Uh, well, a returning guest and then a guest, a guest guest. I don't know, <laughs> something like that. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun chit-chatting and uh, figuring out what makes Thrupples work. Here we go. Let's have some fun. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. Welcome, 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 everybody, to this beautiful Wednesday. Before we jump in and chat with our guests today, I want to quickly remind everybody that we do... Three shows every week. Okay, except this week I miss Monday, but whatever. We're open for questions. If you have questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs and let me know. Follow us on all social media platforms, especially Facebook and Instagram, at Practicing Poly A everywhere, and send me a message. Let me know what you want to talk about. Don't forget to enable notifications on YouTube and Facebook. Join us for the live recording where you can get your questions answered live on the spot. And as always, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. We're here to share our imperfect stories, and I want to get as many voices as possible to speak here because I know that the more stories we hear, the more others will see us in themselves, and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up today. All right, that's my spiel. Now to the best part of the show, introducing our guests. Our guest today joined the show way back in March and shared her story with us, along with a ton of wisdom around should language, taking time for self-care, overcoming self-doubt, and a deep dive into what evidence-based psychology means and how it's, how it's applied in practice. She also shared her, her story of discovery that she and her husband were non-monogamous, both wanted to be child-free, and both fell in love with another wonderful woman to form an ethical triad. As a sex-positive therapist who works with LGBT kink and non-monogamous clients, I'm excited to hear more from our guest about how her background and education influenced her journey. And as a special treat today, we get to hear from both of the ladies in the trio and get a part two to their story. Joining us today out of Colorado Springs, welcome back to the show, Dr. Rachel Meyer and Casey Kirshner. All right, just got to get that energy going. <laughs> Good afternoon, ladies. Thank you both so much for hanging out with me today and spending some time. Um, you know, Rachel, I did get a chance to chat with you before, and I kind of introed you. So I'm going to start with Casey and ask Casey to kind of give us a little bit of background on uh, yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, and, you know, what, what brought you to where you are today? Yeah, so hi, my name is uh, Casey Kirshner. I uh, live in Colorado Springs, Colorado with uh, my boyfriend and girlfriend who just happen to be married. Uh, I do digital marketing for work and I've uh, been doing that for a few years. Before that, I was a TV anchor and reporter. Um, oh, cool. Basically kind of got into uh, polyamory uh, by accident. It, the, I don't do it this way, but I was raised in a pretty conservative um, community and with a very conservative upbringing. And whenever I, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, and when I was living in Colorado, I 
figured out that I might like girls. <laughs> and so I started kind of experimenting uh, with just my sexuality, trying to find myself. Uh, fell into kind of a, a triad relationship um, a few years ago. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was necessarily done right. Um, and it ended pretty badly. I had kind of swore off of polyamory for, um, you know, indefinitely. But then uh, through online dating, I happened to come across Rachel and Aaron's profile. I was like, man, mm. they seem very interesting. And so I pretty much just uh, evaluated it. Yeah. Gave, gave it a second shot, evaluated and decided that um, I actually love this way of loving. I, as a bisexual woman that I, I, I discovered about myself, I love having um, both a male and female partner. Um, and yeah, it, it, I'm glad that I gave myself a second chance too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure Rachel and Aaron, right? Are yeah. as well. Um, so Rachel, I want to hear kind of your side of the story. How was it that you all met? Uh, I just read like a quick little article. There was something about Mexico. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell me, can you tell me the story? Yeah. So Aaron and I have been together for almost 21 years, married about 15. And we had worked our way up the career ladder, kind of got sick of the rat race and decided to quit everything and move to Mexico. Hell yeah. So we were living as expats in Puerto Vallarta. At the time, we had been there for about three years. Um, prior to moving, Aaron and I had experimented in sort of the lifestyle swinging community more mm -hmm. than anything that wasn't fulfilling. There was something about a deeper connection, relationship, emotional connection with someone that um, we were looking for. And so during the time in Mexico, started to even have talks about polyamory, learn more about polyamory, talk about unicorn hunting and couples privileges and if this was something we were going to do how we do it right and researching and um educating ourselves and so we were back home well so we had we had actually created some dating profile sites both in mexico and in the united states because we would kind of go back and forth between both and ideally if we were going to meet someone someone who would be open to travel and adventure because we could love <laughs> that life. the only reason Important. i is <laughs> <laughs> well, it's certainly more enjoyable than my average day <laughs> <laughs> and it was on Bumble and we had put our profile up very, very clearly, explicitly stating that we were married, but looking to form an equal ethical triad with someone who was mm -hmm. potentially also interested. And um, we connected with Casey and about 12 days after meeting and <laughs> the sparks flying and we all kind of dug deep as to what we wanted, what our values were, what we were looking for. We were open and honest in communication from the get go. We decided, Aaron and I decided that we were going to move back from Mexico to give the relationship a shot, a viable opportunity to thrive. And here we are. And then COVID hit, pandemic hit. And so uh, we're still it's been in two springs. years. We're doing all right. <laughs> there you go. And a COVID year is basically like seven years. It's like dog years. Yeah, seriously. But, yeah. but hang on, hang I on. Hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> Did you say 12 days? Yeah, pretty much. 12 days after knowing Casey, we had made the decision that we were going to be moving back from living abroad after three years. Because <gasps> Exactly. <laughs> Seriously, it wasn't fair for us to ask her to up and uproot her life and move for us mm -hmm. to Mexico. That just was not. And if we tried to do it long distance, I think it's hard enough already making a triad work um, that that would have 
I, I think we all knew it wouldn't have succeeded. So. And I don't know if you know anything about Puerto Vallarta, but it's this like beautiful tropical, like oasis of wonderful. I actually visited them because they had to go back to Mexico to wrap things up. And so I visited them in, in Puerto Vallarta for about a week. And I, I kept saying like, listen, I think I'm pretty great, but like, <laughs> I don't think I'm that great. But I mean, work out. <laughs> I'm over here like that. That that's a, that's a hit or miss. Like, okay, yeah, okay. Let let's move back to to the states because that's where you know most of our families are. I'm guessing, but like Puerto Vallarta, that's beautiful. Like, why wouldn't you want to live there? <laughs> she wants to get back. We just we'll, we'll get there eventually. We don't talk about it. Makes get there eventually. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, there is one thing that I wanted to uh, ask you about, though. As you were navigating this, as you're putting your profiles together, you are a couple who was looking for, you know, someone to to join your your. Basically, what I'm trying to get to here, <laughs> without you know whatever, is is unicorn hunting and you know couples privilege. Like this seems like a really good conversation. There's a lot of meat that we can chew on here, uh, so let's let's get into that. Um, when setting up your profile, Rachel, uh, I'm going to start with you, and then I'm going to jump to Casey and kind of ask you like the other side of it. Uh, when setting up your, your your profile, Rachel, what were the discussions that you and Aaron were having to make sure that you were being ethical and not like unicorn hunting? Right. So I think the biggest thing is even though we had a longstanding history and we had a really, really good, solid, committed relationship, we were going into this knowing that no matter what happens, we're now three individuals coming together. We're gonna maintain the history that he and I have. You can't discount that. But everything that we had always known or done together, or even the fact that we weren't gonna survive this together. It wasn't us or nothing. It's we have to start fresh and we have to be able to respect that each individual person coming in the relationship has their own needs. And mm -hmm. we're gonna disentangle ourselves as much as possible from how we've always done it as a couple to I do it this way, Aaron does it his way, Casey does it this way. And how do we mesh that together for three people? And Casey, in your, from your perspective, as you're going through profiles and, you know, you had already had one not so great experience with a couple, uh, what, precautions were you taking if any to make sure that you weren't being unicorn hunted and you know uh when you were getting into this this uh relationship with Rachel and Aaron like what what were the things that were going through your mind yeah so I think that there's um a series of considerations and one was the fact that you kind of have to know that you know we were very lucky in in the fact that like I hit it off with Aaron pretty much the same way I hit it off with Rachel like we we and we fostered and developed those relationships. But I think we all kind of knew going in that if for some reason something didn't jive or, or one side of it fell out, it wasn't going to be the probably the end of the world. I mean, I think that we all had the same goal and we wanted to strive to make that work. But part of the reason they call it unicorn hunting is because um, it's, it's mythical, like it doesn't exist. I mm -hmm. think it's, you have to be very lucky and you have to put in a lot of effort to make sure that, you know, it is done ethically and, um, you know, you're, you're giving that respect to like the third person, um, the precautions, I think, you know, having my history was, I don't, you know, I wouldn't put anyone through what I had to go through. Um, but I do think that it gave me a really good perspective on how to do it right. And for me, like 
something about the triad relationship was always something that uh, was particularly interesting for me. And it kept me interested and involved in a way that like whenever I was only dating um, mono, like, you know, one man or, or one woman or, or whatever, um, it didn't tend to like keep my interest as much. And so this is something that was very um, exciting for me, but also just really keeping things in perspective. And I think I communicated a lot um, about what I had experienced before, what I learned. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I super appreciated was that Rachel and Aaron had done a lot of research. Um, mm -hmm. They kind of knew what it was going into this um, and, and had their own considerations that really just kind of opened up the door for uh, our relationship to form pretty organically, but also um, in somewhat a, per, a prescribed way to make sure that we are all doing the, I guess, the right things or, or the ethical things, the respectful things. And if it's okay, I might even add, because the, the pieces that were the red flags and that she spoke openly about when we first met were like, she didn't get to sleep in the middle in the bed, or she was always the one in the backseat in the car. To me, that was like, a, are you freaking kidding me? That's like, uh, never, I wouldn't even feel like a good human being to anyone, a friend or, well, not that a friend's going to say what else in the bed, but, you know, in the car, whatever, like I'm, I'm always offering that in, in, in equality and just relationships. I feel, felt like that was so uh, absurd or extreme to me, mm -hmm. but as much effort as we tried and knew about this and talked about it and came in trying to figure out how to make this as ethical, there are little things that you don't even recognize and they will come up. And I think that couple's privilege is something that there's always got to be an awareness of. And Casey, as maybe the third person, um, which I, I don't even like that term, right? That in and yeah. itself sounds like there's a, a hierarchy or right. of some sort, but she was able to point out things that again, 20 years of history, you just, sometimes you don't even know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. But luckily for us, we're wanting to be aware of that and make changes and facilitate how to make it feel so that there isn't that. I love that. I love that the, the openness of communication is there, the willingness and ability to bring these things to the table to both of you or to, to, you know, all of you, I guess. Um, so I, I'm curious about some of those things that have come up. Uh, what are some of the ways um, that you all have worked together to deconstruct that couple's privilege? So on, on the most, what feels like the simplest level, but can really become problematic quickly or just the way that you live life. Um, so again, starting at age 18 up until almost 40, how we go to the gym, our gym schedule and the way that we cook and shop and the way that we clean the house or what we view, uh, view as appropriate dog raising. I mean, it, it's more that it just melded into a, sort of a unified or a, a similar way of thinking, not even because our way is a better way. It's just we both kind of fell into or found that pattern between the two of us. Mm -hmm. And so coming into Casey's house and the way that she does things and she doesn't oh. want to go to the gym. She wants to have a snuggle day, you know, and, and really. So, so you, the two of you moved into Casey's house. We yes. Did. Oh, Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then COVID hit. So we were all, I mean, and I, I was living, you know, I was, I was a single woman before that. So I was living in a two bedroom, uh, two bathroom townhome and that got 
That's so fast. Very cozy, very quickly <laughs> uh, during COVID. So we, we, we we're sitting in our new house because we had to buy a new house Please. to accommodate for the room. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, um, example of the oh yeah. So, and you know, just like she said, it was just the little things. And, and one situation specifically was we were at um, a wedding that of friends of mine um, and had talked to them. They knew the bride and groom and, and a few other people knew about the relationship. And so they were like, of course, like bring your partners. We'll give you a plus two, which was super great. And, and like, massive, massive kudos to anyone who accommodates for, for things like that. But, uh, we were at the wedding and, um, because not everyone knew we didn't want to outwardly be like PDA or whatever. Um, we kind of went into it knowing that, okay, this is Casey and, and Casey's roommates just, you know, just not keep to it, detract from the wedding and exactly sure, sure. keep it, keep it easy. Um, but you know, at one point, I like looked over and Rachel and Aaron were holding hands and I immediately like felt very like a little hurt a little just because, you know, this is a wedding for, for my friends and I brought them as my guests and they could hold hands and I couldn't because they were like, everyone knew that they were married, but we didn't have this. And so it, yeah, it was definitely, we drove home and I was clearly bothered and we had a whole conversation about it, but you know, ultimately it's like, you have to have some grace um, mm -hmm. for, you know, I understand that they've been together for 20 years and it's just natural for them. It's like a, it's a habit. It's just, it's, they don't That's even think right. about it when, an, Oh, well, we're just holding hands because we've been a married couple for however long. And so it was just things like that of just, you know, bringing the awareness and they were, they've always been super, super understanding whenever I'm like, okay, like, you know, or the way we clean the house. I'm like, they're like, well, this is how we do it. And I'm like, well, but this is how I do it. So <laughs> the, 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 with grace, all of it has been, um, it's been really good. And, and with each one of those conversations, I find that it just makes things stronger that we are, we're in a better place for talking about it and connecting over it and yeah, just being aware. When those conversations are happening, when they're going well, when they're, you know, again, bringing things to the table over and over and over again. Um, and I, I definitely think that that's, that's like the key, right? Communication is always the key. <laughs> no. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Exactly. Seriously, though, so that our, our relationship could, would never, ever, ever work um, if we didn't. We, we communicate, we communicate again, we over communicate, we communicate on the back end. Like it's something that I, we, we joke that if um, normal uh, monogamous relationships uh, communicated as much as we do or the way that we do, mm -hmm. um, divorce rates would just plummet because, you know, you would just talk about everything. So it takes I, effort. You're not wrong. I mean, there's something about the way that, uh, you know, polyamorous folks uh, communicate with their partners because, you know, we've, we, we've been taught that we have to, right. We have to keep these, these communications, these lines of communication open. We have to talk about all of these different things because we don't have the standard playbook, I guess, when it comes to monogamy, it's just, this is kind of how it goes, right. The relationship escalator and all those things. Like there's, there's no playbook because everybody knows the playbook, so to speak. But um in our kinds of relationships, we, we have to have those conversations. I totally agree. If, if monogamous people communicated the way polyamorous folks do, 
there wouldn't be as many divorces. The world's um, problems would be solved. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, that's it. Everybody be polyamorous. We'll solve world peace. <laughs> um, Casey, let me ask you really quick. Um, if there is some bisexual woman who is looking to, you know, get into a partnership uh, and, and, and is approached by, uh, by a couple, what are some things that you would recommend? What are some things that you would say, hey, look, this is where like I went wrong. These are some mistakes that I made. Uh, and these are some things that you will want to look out for and address early on. Yeah. So I think that some of the big things, at least from the beginning, whenever I was kind of um, dabbling in this, it was very exciting and it was different and it was new and unique, which I think is kind of, you let your guard down probably more than you would whenever you're just dating. Um, and, I, and, and this was me always being monogamous and then kind of uh, making that transition. And so it was exciting. And I, I do feel like I, I think put up with things or accepted things um, that I don't think I ever would have in any other you know situation. In my previous relationship, it was very much like, well, we're married and we're a couple, and and this is like great. Also, but I think that there was always kind of that precedence of our relationship over yours. And you know, if, if someone wants to participate in polyamory that way, that's it's all up to. I think that's you know the biggest thing. Everyone does poly differently. Um, but just holding yourself to a high standard of respect and not letting, um, not letting people be predatory towards you. And I will 100% say probably out of, we'll say a thousand couples. Well, let's just go with that statistics alone. If I, if I come across a thousand couples, um, as a single woman who was interested in their relationship, I would say there may be a few maybe five that I would even give the time of day because a lot of people don't do it right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost like it just feels icky. Like you read these people's um, profiles and, Oh, well, we're looking for a third woman. They're like, I want a, I want a girlfriend so that my husband and I can spoil. And like all of these things that are just like, it doesn't feel like that's not, you would never, I mean, you would never normally accept that if you're dating anyone of right. just like being kind of talked down upon or objectified. Like it's like, Oh, it's like a play thing, like a toy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to play for it with it for a little while, but ultimately like he's my husband. And so we're going to, yeah. Or right. just, so there was a lot of things that um, it's pretty easy to spot the red flags of whenever couples are, are seeking a single woman. I think probably the biggest, um, thing that probably stood out about uh, Rachel and Aaron's profile. And this was Rachel's profile specifically um, that said, I'm Rachel, I'm with my husband, Aaron. And, and they were saying, you know, we're looking for a very healthy, ethical triad relationship or, or bringing someone as an, as an equal third. And, and we're like essentially kind of saying like, we're willing to do the work We're we're, this is what, you know, our deal, our ideal situation, but you know, we're kind of open to, to putting in the work that needs to be done. And I thought that that was something that it just felt different. Like even from the second that I, I messaged and it was, and I actually reached out first, which I never do <laughs> because I, I, I found them so interesting. Even just like in that short bio, it was, you could tell it wasn't just another unicorn hunter. It wasn't just someone right. looking for a hookup or, or whatever. It was very, um, it felt very authentic and it felt very real and very safe um, early on. And yeah, I, 
I definitely think just follow your instincts and, and trust your gut um, as the single woman and also just put like the safeguards in place. I mean, I, I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> yeah, I was always um, texting my my friends, hey, here's where I'm going, here's who I'm meeting. And because I do think that there is still mm-hmm. some level of, you know, um, risk, yeah, yeah. of just yeah. being a single woman dating. And that's like anything. Like, it doesn't matter if it's poly, if it's mono. Always tell people whenever you're going somewhere, meeting someone. New. So, <laughs> Great like advice. Common sense. Great advice for sure. Uh, Rachel, similar question to you. Um, What are some mistakes that you made, whether it was with Casey or with anybody else that you might have dated beforehand? I don't know if there was anybody else, Um, but mistakes that you you and Aaron made along the way that you learned from um, that, you know, and maybe maybe from your psychologist background, giving a little bit extra of what a couple might be able to do if they're looking for this type of relationship to do it right, to do it ethically. Yeah. um, Probably sort of similar along to the long lines of what I was just saying, but even as much research and education as we thought we had done and, and tried to go into this, you don't know what you don't know and being able to take feedback and be open to self-reflection and having some awareness, um, things being pointed out to you. As much as I view myself as someone who can help resolve conflict for other people when it's internally and I think, oh, we, we're doing it all right, we're doing just fine, um, it's humbling when, when you're not, when you, especially when you think you're trying and you don't get it right, to be able to say, that's okay, we can learn from this and we can still grow. Um, but to own it and, and to be okay with that. And I think, um, I don't, I don't really know the best way to describe it because the, the couple's privilege inherently or the unicorn hunting happens to often come because a couple is looking to find someone that will satisfy both of them. Right. And Mm -hmm. so even in thinking about this, going back, Aaron and I had two separate profiles and we were both dating separately per se and connecting and meeting people. And, you know, if it all jived, that was obviously the idea, but I think going into it, I know going into it, there was this hope and and this optimism that we would find someone that would jive all three of us and, and equally. Um, And it is, much as we like hit the um, the money bucket, the hit the lottery or whatever, won the lottery in this situation, we all do understand that this is very, very unique. Um, there was a discrepancy, and, and Casey and I, and we'll we'll all talk about it now. We hit it off, and we had chemistry much quicker and much stronger than she and Aaron did. Not that mm-hmm. it wasn't there, but we invested and we put a lot of effort and energy in making sure that we were growing. At the time, four separate relationships, you know. Casey and Aaron and me and Casey and Aaron and I still have ours as well as the three. But I read recently in a poly group that there's really five relationships and you as your solo person or independent relationship being so important. And I think I would have liked to have gone back and maybe even put more effort into that. And what do each of us individually want? Not as much as what do Aaron and I want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was hard. Again, I think it's so much of its history and as much as we wanted to, it was hard to tease that apart sometimes. Yeah. And, but I mean, you, you hit on it though. Fostering those separate relationships though is, was the key to making this work because it was something that, you know, we went on in early on and even still today, 
Like we still go on our individual two off dates. And from the beginning, we were going on dates with two people um, as well, just so that, you know, you want to make sure to foster those relationships. And I, you, to some extent, you want to give yourself room to grow that two off relationship just as much as the, the three together. Um, because if any two of those fail, then obviously like the, it, right, right the, the triad as a whole fails, not necessarily, you know, any of the other parts of that, but ultimately, yeah, like the, the triad fails. And so, yeah, just, just opening it up and, and making sure that we were um, putting and investing into those separate relationships as well. And we lucked out for sure. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Um, it sounds also like the three of you are in a closed triad. Is that right? So yes. none of you are dating outside of. So, okay. Uh, in not that... at this time. <laughs> not at this time. We left the communication lines open. If that ever changes, if someone has an interest, but it's not a veto power, no, not happening. But none of us have any particular desire. And so it works well for all three of us at the time being. Cool, cool. So uh, the other side of that question is, what does the future hold? I mean, what is, uh, you know, what does it look like? What, what I guess, what plans do you have since you're, you're talking about, you know, there's, each of you individually that uh, you want to make sure that you focus on, on who you are in your autonomous, you know, self-sufficient way. Um, but at the same time, there's, you know, hopes and, and, and plans and adventures to go on and all these things. So, so what does the future hold, you know, for free for the three of you individually and as a triad? I, I can start um, because, yeah, that has been something that's come up several times in discussion. And each of us do have some individual differences. Um, I have that adventure spirit. I don't like to be locked down and staying in one place any for any too long amount of for any length of time, too long amount of time. Um, and COVID so I've must been, have really sucked for you. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I've been buying for the next place that we get to move. And so that might be my solo interest and adventurous spirit, but within the context of the triad, being open-minded to what possibilities could exist and what would everyone like to do in that, in that spirit, but within the context of what's feasible and, and logistically capable. Yeah. Nice. So, and I always bring it up. I mean, I feel like at some point, uh, obviously Rachel and Aaron are legally married and um, you know, laws today say that we can't obviously get married as, as three people or even, you know, two in addition. Um, but I think potentially at some point, maybe having some kind of union ceremony and um, maybe taking that kind of next step as well, because, you know, at the end of the day, like I still want the wedding. I still want like the commitment. And uh -huh, so, uh -huh. yeah, maybe something like that. too. I, I'm just curious here. Just, just spitballing. Feel free to tell me to shut the hell up. Um, if, and when you do that, is it going to be like a big thing with family and, you know, the whole, the whole works? Uh, we'll see. I think that if anything, probably going to be some kind of destination type of thing. And I nice. think everyone's families will be um, invited and all of our friends. And yeah, I think it's right. People will show up. The ones that are our family today and support us and love us will be there. And those who aren't, that's okay too. Yeah. Got your victory dance. Well, I got it right here. Yeah. Winning. <laughs> I love it. Um, 
Rachel, Casey, thank you both so much again for uh, hanging out with me, for letting me probe it at the two of you with some uh, questions, you know, maybe a little uncomfortable, whatever. Um, but uh, thank you. Uh, is there anything that I missed? Is there any final thoughts that you might want to leave with our audience? I would say that, I mean, we're just grateful to be able to come on here and share our story and part of I see the IG up here, Triad and Chew, and some of our other social media platforms are really just to continue to educate and bring awareness and hopefully destigmatize some of the myths and beliefs and misconceptions and whatnot that's out there. And so this has been another great opportunity to help show it's just real people having real lives that are fun and loving and healthy. Just more people. Just more people. <laughs> just more people. All righty. Perfect. Casey, anything that you'd like to... Leave. No, I think I think she covered it. Perfect. Well, thank you both again. Uh, and yes, to our audience, uh, definitely follow uh, Rachel, Aaron, and Casey at Triad and True on Instagram. Uh, did you mention that there was also a YouTube? Should we be looking for YouTube, TikTok, all of the all of the Facebook Triad and True? You'll so, find us everywhere. Yeah, we, and we we like to do um, very poly specific uh, content, especially on our TikTok. So, yeah, if you want to check that one out. Perfect. All righty. Well, again, thank you both. Uh, really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to chatting again. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you. Bye, James. Thank you. And thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for the podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That is all we have got for you all today. Thank you, as always, and until next week. Have a nice day! Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.